Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I want to let you know that I am going to go back to podcasting once a week. I did the two twice a week thing for the summer because of mm, COVID and uh, societal upheaval and people are at home. And I, and to be honest, I just had some extra time over the summer and I had some amazing conversations with people and I couldn't, I just couldn't wait to get them out. If I, if I kind of trickled them out over, you know, uh, one week at a time or whatever. So, um, but we've gone back to one week because I, I don't, I just can't sustain that pace. So one week, uh, one podcast a week, uh, every Monday. In this episode, we have John C. Bavona back for the third time. John, as you will hear, um, he's been on twice already. He is an expert in infectious diseases, and I just have kind of made it a habit every couple months to check in with John to get an update on uh, where are we at in the science? What is actually going on? So we talk about masks uh, quite a bit because that seems to be um, something that just keeps kind of flaring up in the media, in, uh, in society. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we get the truth about masks and see, you know, what kind of recent studies have been done to either show that masks are helpful, unhelpful, um, or, you know, uh, are they a lifesaver? Are they irrelevant and on and on? So we talk about masks. We also talk about, um, the vac- uh, vaccine, uh, where are we at with the vaccine? What's that going to look like? And then we just talk about how COVID is affecting society as a whole. Um, this was pre-recorded about a month ago. So it is a little, um, hopefully it's not dated. Hopefully John's still alive. Hopefully he's, uh, hasn't, uh, renounced everything he talked about in this episode. Uh, I don't, I don't think he has. So anyway, please welcome back to the show. The one and only John C. Bavone. Hello, friends. I'm back here with my friend, John C. Bavona. John is a third-time guest on Theology in the Raw. That puts you in a really elite <laughs> class. Um, a lot of you guys um, know who John is if you've been listening to this podcast at least for the last few months. He's been on a couple of times in the last uh, few months. So, John, why don't we start? Just give us your credentials, um, and then we can jump into talking about the scientific data behind masks. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I work for the University of Chicago. Um, I work in a high containment facility. It's called uh, it's uh, the Howard T. Ricketts Laboratory. It's a, a biosafety level three facility. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with high consequence pathogens. So those are pathogens that are known to you know to, to really to be pa- potential for pandemic. Mm-hmm. So COVID and the SARS virus fits right in there. So really, my main job is I work out out at this uh, uh, biosafety level three facility, and I do a lot of training. Uh, risk assessment in regards to, um, you know, agent agent specific or pathogen specific, you know, how it's transmitted, the incubation period, how mm-hmm. stable is it in the environment, how can you kill it, how long does it last in the environment, stuff like that. Stuff that we, I've been doing for 20 years and now it's almost mainstream now um, right. with people kind of understanding the terms. And right. um, so that's really the, the the main thrust of what I do. I've been with the University of Chicago for 20 years. Um, so I'll uh, come up on my anniversary in October. So, wow. um, so that is really the thrust of what I do. Um, in the past, I've been involved in some really cool um, initiatives really nationwide. So if people remember Ebola outbreaks, yeah. I really love the, the University of Chicago and really the city of Chicago. God really put me in a really cool position just because of the background of working in a high containment lab. Um, you know, how to, how to train, you know, clinical care workers on how to deal with respiratory mm-hmm. 
pathogens that are okay. transmitted by droplets and aerosols. So, so if you're so listening the, or watching, um, I will say it cause John won't say it, but John knows more than you do about masks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to stir things up, man. So, I know. all right. I so give that. us, I mean, we, and so in each episode we've, we've addressed this, but I, I know that opinions keep shifting. Even some of the experts, you know, have said different things. I, I think there's a, um, some level of distrust and suspicion now among a lot of parts of the population at least um yeah yeah all the way from like this whole COVID thing doesn't exist it's made up all the way to we're all gonna die let's just start digging our own graves and everything in between um let's just start with masks so there's been differences of opinion i mean i remember reading back in january that the who said they don't do anything surgeon general has a tweet out in in february telling people stop buying masks you know the medical professional i think he was saying like don't buy n95 masks because sure the medical right. professionals need it but there has been kind of some variations so give us your professional i wouldn't even say p opinion professional um perspective on whether or not masks should be worn and whether or not they're effective and helpful yeah so much there where do i start so um <laughs> Just starting, starting in the very beginning, um, I think public health in, in a lot of different areas with this pandemic uh, really hasn't hit the mark a lot, um, especially on masks, um, where they've, they've said things that could be misinterpreted by people to understand, you know, masks and what they do. Um, so yeah, I get that. If I am if I am just the, a regular person that doesn't work with personal protective equipment and masks and how they work, and and I see kind of how this went from even Fauci came out early on and he said that don't wear masks, and the reason he said it, um, I mean he wasn't transparent. Obviously, he said it because he wanted to you know make sure that the healthcare professionals um, had N95s and surgical masks. So. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I understand the logic of why he said it, you know? So obviously when, when you have the guy that's leading, you know, um, do a 180, mm -hmm. you distrust. Certain general came out, um, and said, don't wear masks. Um, um, now what he was doing was this was before that we, before he, he came out and said, Hey, you don't need a mask. And this was before, um, what we knew about asymptomatic transmission, meaning that you can have zero symptoms and transmit it. So now we're, it's like 40% by pressing between 25 and 40% of people don't have any symptoms and can transmit it. Mm -hmm. So obviously, um, so he, I mean, if, if you wanted to be really, you know, nit, not nitpicky, but you know, if you were kind of honest about it and you didn't have a horse in the game, so yeah, he dropped the ball too. So mm -hmm. there's no doubt that there has been, and then obviously this is so political Right, so people will take take that and run with it, um, and misinformation starts on the right and the left. Um, but I just even you know bigger picture is that a lot of times scientists and public health, well, they really know a language inside the laboratory. But when they get in front of a mic and they have to speak in front of people that don't that speak a different language, mm -hmm. there's a lot that's lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And I have been in this 20 years, and I've seen principal investigators, what we call them, get in front of audience. And I think purposefully they speak a different language huh. just to say, hey, I'm way up here. I'm in the ivory tower. That's what we say at the University of Chicago, the ivory tower. These are the people that, you know, 
set all the laws and regulations in general. So I think part of that is, uh, you know, part of that is there's an intent to just say, hey, I'm better than you. Hmm. And a lot of times if people don't understand, they don't ask the question. Um, so, but they've done a poor job in general, not everybody, of explaining the pathogen, of even explaining how novel it is, right? I think people that are in my um, my field in biosafety, they really are the experts when it comes to the pathogen and how it works and how you can stop it. And if it's new, how it changes. I mean, if you look at some of my interviews that I've done from the beginning, you know, I mean, I'm really thankful to God that's put me in this situation, but I've, there hasn't been too much that I've changed. Hmm. And that's been on mass where their national leaders I, I've seen have changed. I've seen people that don't have any experience in personal protective equipment and mass say they don't work. Yeah. Um, and even there is there's a disconnect between and they'll use it for political gain. Let me try to just kind of explain this in the right way where they're answering a question that's not asked. So I've seen people on the right say masks don't work. They don't eliminate the virus. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen people on the left. They say masks are the be, the be end end all. They're 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 going to do you know, they're going to stop everything prevention. And both are wrong. Um, I think what the what what is what is um, um, science that has been proven um, over years of people wearing surgical masks. You know when you're when you have an when you have a surgeon operating over you, they wear a surgical mask. The reason they wear a surgical mask is so their droplets are reduced so they don't fall in. When you have a chest wide open, right? When you go to a um, when you go to a dentist's office and you have a you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the dentist um, wearing the surgical mask, that's so their droplets don't, you know, go into, into your mucous membranes. Mm -hmm. So it's not new, but I think overall it's really been a poor job of explaining, um, mass. Even it's really settled that they, if, if you're saying the right thing, mass, it's settled science that they reduce transmission. They do not eliminate your right. exposure. They reduce it when I work with. So I work with and there's been a huge confusion about respirators and masks and yeah. people that are on TV that are speaking like experts have no idea what a respirator, the difference between a respirator. This is early on still sometimes they don't know the difference between a respirator and a mask, the limitations. So it's really been a poor job, I think, from the top trying to explain that. And that's what I've been doing for 20 years. I do respirator fit tests. I train on the respiratory program. I know everything about it. Uh, I'm still learning, obviously. But what we do with respirators is we do quantitative and qualitative fit tests. So quantitative is a number. So if I wear a respirator, mm -hmm. um, I think you guys can see that. Yeah. So before I before I can wear it, if I'm a medical professional and I work in a lab, I put this on and there's a test to quantitative tell the difference between what's outside mm -hmm. and what's inside. It counts. It counts the number. So that's quantitative. Qualitative is like a smell or a taste. So I put my respirator on. First they do first they'll spray like a banana oil or a sugar mm -hmm. in my mouth. Hey, can you taste this, John? Yes. Then I put my respirator on. They spray that same aerosol. Now can you take can you can you smell it? Can you taste it? So that's a qualitative fit test, mm -hmm. and those have been for years and years. They've been the standard, the the OSHA standard for that. And for masks, you can do 
you can do it like a do it yourself, you know, qualitative fit test where you can put on a mask and you can sneeze in a mirror with a mask and you yeah. can sneeze in a mirror without a mask. You can do the candle where you put a candle, you know, you can try to blow out a candle with a mask, without a mask. And it's it's just, it's settled science that it reduces. It doesn't eliminate. Okay. Um, what I'm going to, I'm going to just walk through people, just a, a really quick study. And I'm going to send you some slides. Maybe you can kind of plug this in. Okay. But so after the Ebola outbreak, I was, I had the opportunity to work with the Duke Infectious Disease Response Training. That was really a nationwide adventure that, uh, uh, um, uh, a nationwide training that went out throughout the United States and we trained people on mm -hmm. basically what we do for emergency responders, clinical care workers, stuff like that. So this is from the Duke University and it's been published in Science Advances. And it's really, it's kind of like something that you can do at home if you have the, 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 the technology. But what they did is they took all the different masks, you know, from an N95 to a surgical mm -hmm. mask to a cloth mask to um, a fleece, the bandana, they did it all. And what they did is they, they just, they had a, uh, um, um, four people speaking. They did a proof of principle, so they did it 10 times for each mask. Um, and what they, they had lasers, and then they had a camera showing droplets. So they mm. did a normal where someone was just talking, and you saw the droplets, and they could count it. And then they put all these, the 14 different masks on, and they sold, showed the reduction. Mm. So I'm going to send you, so what they did, there's 14 different, obviously a surgical mask, a valve N95, so you have the N95 with the valve on. Mm -hmm. um, they did, you know, a cotton, four different types of cottons, um, but bandanas, fleeces, um, propylene, cotton masks, different layers. So they did all 14. So what they showed is a really cool graph, but they one, you know, if you see like a standard of one was people talking without a mask. And then they did all 14 of these masks and 13 of them reduced it by at least 50 percent. Wow. Um, the, the N95 was at zero surgical mask was close to zero, but everything, the cotton swath, the only one, and this is really kind of cool is that, you know, those fleece masks that the athletes wear. So they start with the neck and it, it's yeah. really stretchy. So that re actually increased the droplets because what happened was you had these larger droplets when they were talking and when they went through the fleece, they actually separated into more droplets. Okay. So that was that was above one. So if you think of one was talking without a mask, um, everything was at least 50% reduced it by 50% except for this fleece, um, hmm. um, um, this fleece wow. mask. So, so that's kind of a kind of a of how we got here. But I think kind of even the disconnect, and it comes from both political sides. I even seen people on the left saying. Making it if you don't wear a mask, you're you're killing people, you right. know, all over. Which I think that's disingenuous because it, it it does reduce, but it doesn't eliminate. And it's um, I know early on it was people would say it doesn't help you contract it as much as give it. Is that still where we're at? That it's uh... so yeah. Important term as much. So obviously, if I wear a mask, I am doing much more protection for my neighbor. Okay than for me, but I am still reducing my okay. exposure. Remember, the key word is reduction. It's yeah. not elimination, right? But it reduces a lot more for my neighbor than for mm. myself. The bigger droplets, droplets obviously, if yeah. my neighbor you know, spits, coughs, talks, it's going to reduce the larger droplets, but um, now, for me. So I remember the first time we talked to you, but you helped me understand the difference between aerosols and droplets. So it makes, I mean, this just seems like basic 
not even yeah. science, just common sense. Like if you have something over your mouth and you sneeze, <laughs> that stuff that you can see coming out of your mouth will be reduced. But what about aerosols, just breathing? Because you're still, you know, if I have like a, a handkerchief or something, you see people with handkerchiefs and I'm like, I don't know, is that really reducing the 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 aerosols coming through and and is covid spread through aerosols has that been pretty settled um yeah so i think it's settled um that it can be aerosolized we talk whether it's the degree of of it being transmitted by aerosol is still kind of to be determined right we do know it can be aerosolized there has been studies people in restaurants where it's been aerosolized um, you know, they're doing all these studies now, you know, with the air conditioning on, with the air conditioning off. Does air conditioning make it more stable in the environment and stuff like that? So, you know, it's it's settled that droplet. We know droplets for sure is the main route of transmission. Aerosol is still to be determined. Oh, okay. I think it, it I, I think it is, you know, but the degree there was some pressure maybe a month, a month ago from. A lot of these different scientists saying, "Hey, WHO and CDC, you need to come out and say that it, you know, that's it can be aerosol transmission." Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't, you know. Even early on, University of Chicago, you know, we have agent profiles, and we say possible. Okay. So I think it's possible. You know, I think you'll, you know, out of, you know, every a hundred, you know, um, people that are transmitted, maybe, you know, one yeah. less than one. So it's possible, but it's much more probable probable with droplets. But the other question is. You know, if you just have a mask, you know, any of those 15 masks, those aren't going to stop. Um, those aren't going to stop. Like this is a surgical mask, right? Yeah. Th- that's that's not going to do anything um, for aerosols. It's a not. respirator will, right? It will not, right? Because oh, aerosols okay. are smaller and they're going to go right through this. The droplets, the micro droplets will be stopped by this. But the respirator is what stops not only the droplets, but the aerosols. Those are the really fine. The ones that work in gravity are, are I think, less than five microns. And they'll go right through masks, um, really, the, the especially the finer ones, whereas the N95s, they'll stop droplets and aerosols. But remember, if you wear a respirator, that's why the big push was for healthcare workers, because they do procedures that aerosolize you know, when you're doing intubation, you do some procedures where you take a droplet and you you, you just pretty much jam stuff in a mucous membrane and it, mm-hmm. it sprays and it becomes aerosols. So that's why it's really important because most of us are not exposed to aerosols. It's yeah. possible, but it's much higher likely when you're working, you're, you're doing procedures that, okay. you know, aerosolize it. So just wearing a bandana in the store, if no one is shooting droplets at each other, if it's just walking past breathing the same air within a few feet, that's not going to do much or anything with just strictly aerosols. No, no, very few. I mean, you know, even when you see this graph from Duke, you know, the bandana is actually outside of the fleece, which is actually worse than not wearing anything. Um, the bandana is at about 50% reduction. Okay. Um, and then everything else is probably is, you know, the majority is less than 20% or 80% reduction. I don't, I don't see people talk because I feel like early on it was, you know, people kind of mocking each other for wearing these you just bandanas, whatever. Like, that's look, if you're going to get a real mask, that might help. But just putting something over your mouth isn't going to. But now I don't see that conversation happening as much in the public, like the actual quality of thing you're putting around your mouth. I know a lot of restaurants here, they'll have p- stacks of masks. Um, 
if you don't have one, well, I mean, now it's, you're, you know, you're required to, but um, they'll still hand out, but some of these are so cheap and flimsy and like, I'm no, like, is right. this really doing, is it just a symbolism of it? Or do you not know no, that this right. is really going to. Yeah. I think outside of fleece, everything else reduces it. Okay. Right? Fleece. It's funny that, you know, all the athletes funny. You watch a baseball game or something yeah. like that, or these coaches just watch it. I don't know if they're just doing it. So people don't see their face when they're talking, you know, to hide the signals. Right. I don't know. But yeah, those what what they found out is that that actually increases what comes out of your mouth. Wow. It's pretty cool. What's okay? Let, what about the whole just? Why are some Christians anti anti mask? I mean, I, some Christians believe in a flat Earth, so I get that, that you know. But it seems like, um, it, it, yeah, help me understand. Is it because Trump for so long was like seemed to be kind of anti mask or didn't wear one, and a lot of hyper Trump supporters in the Christian yeah. community or like what, why I don't, I don't understand if it, if it has been shown clearly scientifically to reduce, especially if everybody wore one, especially inside, why, what's the counter argument? What am I missing here? Are there, is there like some study that has been published that says they don't do anything that, or. <laughs> well, early on. Yeah. So early on, I think you saw some, so I don't know the term, what is it called? Confirmation bias, right? Yeah. Where you have a bias. Hey, I think this works. Then you see one study that, you know, confirms it. So you put it on Facebook and oh, see, this is, this is wrong. And yeah, I think, so it's funny that our church is, you know, we, you, now, now Indiana is mandato- mandatory mask out, you know, when you're, you're uh, out mm-hmm. in stores and schools are starting soon. So you have to wear a mask and you know, our church, our, you know, our pastor does a great job to say, hey, we want you wearing masks, you know, when you're walking in, when you're walking out. We have stuff, you know, distanced, you know, when you sit down. But Preston, I bet there's still a good percentage. The percentage at Walmart, at stores, at schools is probably less than 10%. But it's higher in churches. And I don't get that, you know. I mean, it makes me sad. It really does that. I even remember sending an email to someone in the church and I said, you know, this is after Indiana mandated it because it saves lives. And it's true. You know, it's not, it's not a hundred percent, but you know, in the Christian virtues of your neighbor and considering others better and mm-hmm. laying down your life, I don't, it, may, it really makes me sad. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. And sometimes it's just with a boldness too. people walk in and they're like, you're darn right. I don't have a mask. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't see that in scripture anywhere. And it's just, it hurts, you know, it's like, gosh, and yeah. they have me, you know, <laughs> I feel like you guys have, you know, not to get on a high horse, but I've given, you know, the church really a lot of good information and it's not everybody, you know, but it, it it's, um, I don't know what it's a reflection of, hmm. you know, but I do know in general, you know, right wing and you know i think i don't think trump has been the best proponent of it obviously and you know people you know there's some christians if you have the whole spectrum that love jesus passionate about jesus but if the president says one thing they're they're uh you know they're 100 percent on board and Mm -hmm. you know and and i get it because i was like that i grew up i think i said early on you know i was my early twenties were in the nineties with the religious right and the moral majority. And I was right there, yeah. you know, and that's, that was me go, go, you know, kingdom, you know, heaven on earth and we can do this. And so I, I understand. Um, but 
it's just um, strange how it got politicized. I don't, it's like, and it just, maybe it just shows how deeply tribalistic and polarized we are that, um, things like wearing a mask can be like a partisan issue. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, it's just weird yeah. to me. It's like, how did, and yes. And people, here's the thing that just doesn't make sense is that the same people that won't wear masks, if they went to a hospital room with immunocompromised cancer patients, so say, you know, someone had a cancer patient, they say, hey, can you wear this mask to protect my kid? They'd be like, oh, of course. Hmm. Would they ever make that stand to say no? Or would they ever say, if a surgeon was doing surgery and, the you know, the guy said, hey, surgeon was going to do open heart surgery, had a little cold, and they're like, you know what? Just so you know, I'm not going to wear my surgical mask today when I do surgery on you. <laughs> Just some Christian belief that I have and – your risk is low and it's only going to reduce the exposure. It's not going to eliminate it. Like you'd be like, what? That Christian would be like, no, put a mask on, even if it helps a little bit, you know? So it's just, you know, or if someone was doing your teeth and they were breathing all over you, you're a dental hygienist and coughing, you'd be like, wait a minute, what's going on? And and, stupid. Yeah. I've had pastors tell me they've had people leave their church, um, because they've required masks. Several families have left church. I mean, I can think of several, I won't name them or even, you know, um, and one person I think even said that it's this, it's the mark of the beast, the the mask, you know, (laughs) just, I mean, like there, there's, there's, there's weirdness in Christianity. There's weirdness in any religion. There's weirdness among atheists, you know? So, I mean, you're always sure. going to get... No, that's fair. No, yeah. that, you're right. But it's just, you're it's right. it's a lot more weirdness than I'm comfortable <laughs> with in the church. But what what are your thoughts on, do you think, and, and maybe I, you might punt and say this isn't in your area, but I mean, do you think churches should obey governing authorities when, like in California, they're told not to gather indoors, large gatherings, you know, more than 10 indoors, which means church, church gatherings, or, you know, or especially don't sing because you're just spreading that all around. Um, yeah. I will use, so one of the, uh, the best or the most common answers in biosafety is it depends. We always say, well, <laughs> right. it depends. It depends on like engineering controls, administrative controls. It depends on, you know, uh, how the pathogens transmitted. So I would say the same thing with church. It depends. You know, I think there is a time. I don't think it's a black and white issue where, hey, the government's saying you can't worship. Maybe they're just saying you need to change a little bit, go outside or mm-hmm. reduce the size or go six feet. Or mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so I would think that they're case by case that, hey, if God's really, you know, mm-hmm. telling somebody, it's kind of the thing of conscience, right? I think you had a really good blog years ago, I don't know, about conscious that really kind of spoke to me that, you know, um, and just like an individual might have, yeah, it's okay to drink beer or not drink beer, or have a gun or not have a gun or, you know, I think that this could be really a you know, situation as long as I think as long as you, so another thing that we use in biosafety is we have institutional biosafety committees. So we have committees where we have all these, it's kind of like an elder board, right? You have all these different gifts and views and not silo at all. So everybody thinks differently and it's really refreshing to, to be challenged and not in a way where you take it personally. Like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So I think if you have that in your leadership where you have people that aren't, you know, they're not uh, afraid or they're, you know, of either the board or the leadership, but you really have a freedom 
boy, you re- really create a fantastic culture and leadership mm-hmm. and you can really um, have a good discussion. Hey, what's the pros? What's the cons? How many elderly people, how many young people do we have? Do we have yeah. a lot of immunocompromised? Do we reach out to you know long-term care facilities, right? So it all, yeah. where are you at? Can you go outside? Are you going to be in Chicago? You know, so <laughs> yeah, so it, it depends. Well, uh, yeah. talk to us about vaccines. Um, do we have a vaccine um, in the works that's promising? When will it be out? Will that send us back to normal? Uh, could we get back to normal before the vaccine? I know this is, these are all big questions. Oh, but, right. Yeah. So I think um, this is just my opinion because I work with vaccine research, right? So this is what we do at, at my laboratory along with trying, you know, therapeutics mm-hmm. and stuff like therapies and but I don't know because you can have something that's really pr- – so there's different phases. I work in the really initial phases where it's kind of exploratory, right, okay. where we're doing we're doing stuff in the lab and then we do stuff with, with animals and stuff like that. So, And then once we see it, then it really kicks into the different phases where you start work, you do human trials, volunteer, stuff like that. So I don't really see that. I really see the early stages, you know, um, but so I'm reading, I read a lot of stuff from, you know, uh, different studies and how safe they are, how effective they are. I just actually heard that Russia has one. <laughs> so, but I, so I don't, you know, I don't know, but it, I, what I don't think is I don't think it's going to be like a measles where it's like 90% one shot and we're good to go. Okay. I think that this is endemic, which means it's pretty much here to stay like the flu where it becomes seasonal to different degrees it's possible they might need uh, to tweak the vaccine every year. Mm. You might need m- multiple doses. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think it's more likely than not that it's going to it's going to help. Okay. You know, but I don't think it's going to be like this uh, one size fits all. Take a shot and we're going to eradicate it. It's possible, but I don't think that's likely. When do you see it coming out? When is it going to be available to the public? Yeah. So I think uh, it's. Yeah, because they're going to have to go on. I'm just kind of going through my mind the time frame of different phases. I know they've started different phases with different vaccines, but you have to do a huge proof of principle to do it safe. You know, I'd be very shocked, you know, so I, this is why I love the separation of powers. I don't want, I don't want politics, you know, driving this because, mm-hmm. you know, just for safety or efficacy, I want it done right. So I, Probably next year, you know, um, Preston, uh, hopeful. It's possible, I guess, it could be late this year. Um, but I, I would hope that they don't do something unless it's um, has a good efficacy, right? So if it's like 20, if it's safe, but, it, you know, it affects 10% of the people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would hope that they would look for something better that's effective and obviously safe. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's a, it's still a million dollar question. It's possible that we might not see anything. Really, you know, and we have to do a herd immunity thing where it's yeah. just, just you know, this tinder of fire for two years and three. I mean, it's just yeah. And what so about it, the it, 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 do, where are we at with uh, if you've if you've gotten it, can you get it again? And if you get it again, are you at risk for dying? Or once yeah, you get I, it, are you are you good right. to go? Or so the question is, do you have antibodies and for how long? So when you yeah. when you get a disease, you know, when you get an illness, your body produce, has an immune response. You get antibodies that will fight it so you don't get it again. So I think the it more likely is that, you know, you do get antibodies. 
um, and they're okay. good for months, not years. Oh. Here's a, here, here's kind of the, the, the negative thing of being asymptomatic. So what they're thinking is obviously if you have a severe illness, a lot of symptoms, that means your viral load is pretty high, right? So you really need some antibodies to have an immune response for your mm -hmm. body. The problem is when you're asymptomatic and 40% of people are asymptomatic, so you don't have a lot of virus in your body, so you don't need a lot of antibody, you don't need a huge immune response, so you wonder what those people, oh. because it's new, we don't have a lot of numbers, you're wondering if people can get it every six months, every year, because they you know, had like a slight cold or a slight headache. And mm -hmm. so those are the things that, this is what I really appreciate about Fauci is that, and I know Fauci is a trigger word like masks, you know, but I really appreciate with something like this where you have to be slow and methodical and you have to take all these different factors in like, okay, it's good that 40% asymptomatic, but what does that mean for immune response? What happens if it comes back more severe stuff like that? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, yeah, that's with antibody okay. response, what that looks like. So if you got it and you're asymptomatic, then that would have, are you saying that would have less of a, like you can get it again more easily yeah, it's, versus it's if you had a Yeah, I don't response? want to speak in absolutes, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I would think just because the more virus you have, the more of an antibody, you know, immune response you have. Um, now that's not a blanket statement. Yeah. There's going to be some people, you know, I've seen some studies with people's, you know, their, their vaccine history that's actually helped them with their immune response. You okay. know, that doesn't mean that's a proof of principle, but that's just one study. So yeah, so there's going to be yeah. a lot of factors. But you said it doesn't uh, make them immune for life. So even if somebody did get right. it, they have tons of symptoms, they get through it. You're saying a couple years later, three, four, uh, five yeah, years possible. later. That, yeah. So you, you yeah. Th this isn't going away. You're saying this is going to, I mean, the flu is the flu. It's here every, every year, right? You're yeah, saying there's a lot of, a lot of research, so it's just like flu is here to stay. There's a lot of people, I think more people than not think that it might be just here to stay to different, you know, kind of like flu season or spring season. It just goes up and down, up and down. It's, you know, so it's not 100%. But so if that's possible. true, we can't just lock down forever and die in our living rooms. Like, what is it? would you say, yeah, so, I know Sweden, I don't think they ever really closed down. They just said, we're just going to, yeah, develop herd immunity, I think. Herd immunity. And, and I think they're, they're yeah. doing pretty good they've never closed schools and everything like is that do you think that's what we should do like say if it's here to I, stay then yeah I, that's a good question i don't know i think because it's so prevalent in our society now you know i think we have to start having some sort of controls you mm -hmm. know um we can't just obviously i don't think we're going to go to lockdown again but yeah um yeah so um, i yeah i don't think we could do that i mean i'm not an expert public health is not my expertise but i don't think we could do that now just because it's going to be wow we're going into school season and schools really or and children in general really haven't been exposed because we they they got let out in march so i don't know what's going to happen with schools you know my hope is that we're going to be okay but yeah. wow you can We've never really. The, I think the hope was that we the the cases would be you know in the hundreds, and then we'd start school. So we had that buffer, and I don't think we have the buffer now. Do you th are, are things? Um, I I know we had the. Would you would you say we're in a second wave right now, or because we kind of flattened the curve early on that we're still kind of in a flat first wave? Yeah, I think or so. Where are we at yeah. right now? Do you feel like we're it's the outbreak is way worse than you expected, or are you like no, we're doing pretty good? Or what's your where we at? No, I thought I thought that we would be, you know, very plateaued low going into the fall. 
That was, I think, I think if you remember the study that I talked about was I had all the, I think there was four different, you know, scenarios. Yeah. And all the scenarios, none of the scenarios had a first wave <laughs> last in this long. And that's a reflection of the United States and, you know, 50 states, 50 different yeah. policies and procedures. And so, yeah, I think there's some places where, like, I think Chicago is starting to see some numbers. of. So we would be considered like a second wave because we went up and down. But then some, so then you remember, I think we talked in March, there was waves in, in um, Chicago, New York, but down south, we really hadn't seen anything. And mm-hmm. then Texas and Arizona, yeah. you know, Florida got hit. That was really their first wave. So I think nationwide, you're seeing some places start maybe second wave. Other mm-hmm. places are just seeing a first wave. So because it's, a, I don't, I'm not a, you know, historian with pandemics, but every scenario I saw, I, I didn't see. <laughs> Second wave for Chicago, first wave for Texas, and stuff like okay. that. So it's well, just it also all over. Th- doesn't it also have to do with uh, we're testing a ton more people now, and and the asymptomatic. Like that first wave could have been a lot bigger because there was asymptomatic people not being counted, right? Like we don't know how many people. Oh, and absolutely. and so I, yeah. So what we're experiencing. So what I've heard people say, and I don't know if it's right or not. Like even though like. Like I look at Idaho, almost every state, it kind of did this, flattened a little bit, and then you know, this huge like summer spike. Um, right. But that we're not sure how big that first spike was in terms of how many people actually had it. That just, I don't no, know. Absolutely, for a lot of different reasons, because of asymptomatic, because of people, we didn't have the testing available. Right. Right. So I I saw CDC, the guy, I forgot, uh, Reed Field or the guy from, he says, you know, with that first wave, it was probably 10% of the actual number. Yeah. So, you know, so we were probably at 90% where people either didn't go to the doctor, didn't have symptoms. And yeah, there is some truth. I know Trump trumps that or trumpets that all the time that we test more than any other nation. And that's mm-hmm. true. That's, that's part that, of the okay. equation. There's no doubt that by millions, I think, you know, the United States is, is testing more. So that's part of, that's why I think the positivity rate is, is a more accurate number. So what's the rate of every hundred people that you test? You know, and I think that's what schools and states are looking for in regards to going back, going forward, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, how many out of every hundred. Do you think um, we should go back to school? I know that's a hot topic, right? <laughs> yeah. I've actually had a couple of people email me in regards to this conversation. What do you think about school? Yeah. So just personally, so I have two college kids that are going back and they're doing a hybrid, you know, where they're going to do some classes and my, my, my daughters are in nursing. So that's all very practical. You know, they can't, yeah. you know learn how to take care of patients in the classroom. And then my son is in high school and they have an option of going to school or e-learning and we're sending them back, you know? Um, okay. I think that's the right choice. You know, I'm very comfortable with that. Um, so oh, sending kids back to school. It depends, you know, on yeah. the area. So if I was like in Florida, some of these places in Miami, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. The positivity rate is so high. You know, but I I wonder what they're going to do, you know, um, you know, what are parents going to do when you have positive cases? Because it's going to happen, right? You're going to school. It's an incubator, right? Kids are all on, they have all these policies and procedures, but they're kids, you know, they're 16 year old kids. So they go into the bathroom and they do stupid stuff and, you know, so I don't know how you can police it, but I wonder what they're going to do when you have 10 cases in the school. Are you going to shut it down again? Yeah. You know, five cases. Because you, you're going to, you have parents on that spectrum too 
that are like, we go to school no matter what. And then I'm not, you know, one case we're shutting it down. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, nobody knows if we're going to get through the year, you know, if they're going to e-learn again and stuff like that. So I think their school school districts are doing their best, you know, Mm -hmm. the death rate from what I've heard. I mean, if you're, and I know this has been said a lot, but if you look at the specific numbers, like the odds of you, if you're under 25 and don't have a, health condition the death rate's the same as a seasonal flu is that accurate i've heard yeah that's accurate and the people that 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 uh quote that the most are the people that don't believe the case number so it's really an ironic thing oh really okay (laughs) the people that are saying this is you know the more more kids die of and they're right more kids die of flu and pneumonia and more kids you know the mental health absolutely Mm -hmm. but they're cherry picking a study they'll be like yes Look at this with a kid, which they're right, but then they'll say the infection rate. Or they're the same people in general, not everybody in general, that are saying this is made up or the numbers aren't that big. <laughs> so it's like, wait, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You can't say you don't believe any of the studies, but you know, this here's a study from the CDC that says that kids right. have a bigger risk of dying of flu. So yeah, that, that's just my uh, yeah. My but opinion. so the risk absolutely the the concern because I've heard some people say. You know, if if somebody typically on the right says we're going back to school, then they get accused of like, well, you just want to murder children in the classroom. It's like that. that it's not where really the kids are at risk, right? It would be more of them bringing it home and hanging out with the grandma or or the teachers that might be older have more health conditions. Like I can understand yeah. that, but I I don't the accusation that you don't care about our children that that seems like well we don't shut down the schools every year during the flu season. I mean. Um, yeah, they don't in general. There are some if you have bad outbreaks, so they'll say, "Hey, we're going to give it two week, whatever the incubation per, you know period for flu, maybe a week or something oh, like okay. that." So, so but that's very isolated, very rare. All the numbers that we have now are that kids are are going to be okay. What that's going to look like for the teachers, I don't know, you know. But I think in general they'll be okay. But I think my you know um, I have an angst against the parents that go to even locally where they went to the school district and said, kids can't transmit the disease. And they'll say it like it's gospel and they're the experts. And I'm like, they just told 5,000 people like they were a doctor that it can't be transmitted. So that's what, you know, I don't like. And so, yeah, but just to answer your question, I think with kids, they're going to be okay. Although we, we've never had them in school at this. There's been little pockets to where they've been okay. But boy, you know, so um, I don't think I would be 100 percent shocked if there were big outbreaks with kids. You know, a lot of kids got it because I, I don't know if every school is going mask or distancing like we are up here. Hmm. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what that looks like, because we've never had the numbers of kids being together like right. we have. We've had pockets at camp, you know, 100 kids going away, 30 of them got it. We have right. had camps. Nobody got it. We've had daycares. Huh. Nobody's got it. You know, so it's all over so yeah i did hear somebody say that like there's some studies show that kids um they don't even transmit it at a high percentage to adults that that didn't make sense to me like why wouldn't if they have it they have it and they um is that is that something that people say or is there any studies that back that up so there might there there's a few studies that say as much Right, but then someone right. takes it on Facebook and says kids can't transmit it, which is just garbage. <laughs> there was a study actually from a church where one person, a 57-year-old guy, got it, and 100 people in the church got infected. And the, so they kind of had a circle. He was in the middle, and then there was about 30 people that he directly infected. 
and then those people infected other people. And there was probably about six or seven from 12 to 18 that were primary, and then they transmitted it to their family. So yeah, so that is uh, um, as much as possible. But we're going to see. I mean, it's not sound, it's not settled science of what what happens with kids. What we do know is that the kids, if they get it, their symptoms are, are, are you know, in general, by large, much more yeah. um, minor symptoms, even asymptomatic. If you see all the athletes, not all the athletes, mm-hmm. but that generation, 20 to, you know, teen, higher teens to 30s, they get it, they're asymptomatic. If they're truly asymptomatic, I don't know, you know, I think if someone would just had a, um, like sniffles or a headache, that really is a symptom, but I think if I had the sniffles, I would say, oh, I'm asymptomatic. Or if I just had a headache, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm asymptomatic. You know? The sniffles so, just make yes. it sound. <laughs> I have the sniffles. I know. I know. So, uh, well, John, thanks so, so much. So anyways, I'd be interested. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take much more of your time. I'm sure no you worries. got um, uh, bigger problems to solve in the world. <laughs> but thanks so much. Yeah, for. Um, Let me just say one funny story. I always get people <laughs> – when I see hear him on Facebook or they'll tell me, you know, something about mass or vaccine, I'm like, hey, that's really good. I need to – or I had some people, family members that say, I believe about 90% of what you say, John. And I'll say, oh, well, <laughs> give that to me because I'm training people every day yeah. all over the United States. So give me that information so I can update what I'm training people. <laughs> so, so I'll leave it at that. Oh, man. I, it's, so, yeah, it's so refreshing to know that I have somebody I could talk to to get some – actual informed uh perspectives on things so and i, I love how you're about like i that you're if you were hyper partisan i would be nervous because i do think it's been so politicized that as you said there is a confirmation bias and we all have confirmation bias but i think the more um the more allegiance you have to a particular p- political party given how politicized this has become is gonna it's gonna put lenses on i i love that i don't feel like you're driven by that at all so yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, let's do it again in a couple months. Let's see. All right, yeah, yeah. Every couple months, we'll check in. <laughs> All right, take All care, right. John.